3, page uh, 542, 542, Nehemiah chapter number 3. Right quickly, someone got a word of testimony, want to brag on the Lord. Right quickly. Amen. Amen. Someone else, right quickly, right quickly. God, word of testimony, won't brag on the Lord. Right quickly. All right. Nehemiah chapter number 3, verse 1. In Elishib, the high priest rose up with his brethren, the priest, and they builded the sheep gate. They sanctified it and set the doors of it. Even unto the tower of May, they sanctified it even to the tower of Hanil. You need not turn there, but I want you to listen to this verse, Matthew six thirty three. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. We're looking at it, this series on getting to know the people of the Bible. Tonight we want to look at at Elishib, Elishib, the man who put God first. Elishib, well, these Old Testament names, I had to listen to them on, on computer and get Elishib, the man who put God first. Let's go to the throne of grace. Uh, Brother David Buchanan, how about you praying? Amen. You can be seated. Where is God in your life today? All too often, the place God has in our life varies from day to day, depending on what day of the week it happens to be. Alan Redpath said this, God does not come into your life on a basis of democracy. He comes on the basis of a dictatorship. In other words, the Lord doesn't want part of your life. He wants all of your life. He doesn't want part control. He wants total control. He he doesn't want prominence. He wants, according to the book of Colossians, preeminence. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things, man, would be okay if he put some things there, or part of the things there. But the Bible says that in all things, he might have the preeminence. The ideal being first, top, Number one, third John one nine, John wrote, I wrote unto the church of I wrote unto the church, but thy thy trip thy a little anyway. 
I'm not sure I'm pronouncing. Diatrophies, diatrophies, diatrophies. Who loveth to have the preeminence among them, received us not. So the ideal is, seemingly man is always desiring that preeminence when God said that in all things we might have preeminence. Well, we're looking at a man tonight that literally he put God first. In the word there of putting God first, it speaks of lordship. Has the ideal of not only Jesus is our Savior, but He is Lord of my life as well. It has the ideal of preeminence or lordship. So look with me as we look at Elishib and see this man who put God first. First of all, we see the role that pictures lordship. When we look at Elishib, we see some things about his life that that put on display a love for God. Who he was and what he did displayed that lordship. And the lordship is suggested, first of all, in his title. Nehemiah 3.1, we see Elishaph is called the high priest. He was the spiritual leader, if you will, in Israel. He was uh, one that was to be consecrated to God. And uh, you, you think of someone whose life is totally sold out to God, putting God first. Uh, much like a, a preacher. Uh, when, you, when you think of reverend, uh, when, I, when I think of reverend, I, I think of a man, uh, Libby's husband, Michael. He always called me Rev. How you doing, Rev? He always called me Rev. That's what he called me. I, when I see Reverend, that's a, that's a thing that always comes to mind. Because he always addressed me, how you doing, Rev? How's Rev doing today? He always call me that. But when you think of a preacher, you don't think of someone who cusses and steals and hangs around in bars or someone who lives a Christian life and is not God, put God first. The title says... You have an expectation of that individual living a certain way. And, and by the way, we should have that expectation. Doesn't mean he's a better man or, 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 or more than anyone else, but it means because of the title that his life ought to be separate and uh, Christian life. But may I say this? So is the title Christian. Now, with a show of hands, how many Christians do we have here tonight? Yeah, the title of Christian or being Christ-like means of being saved, being born again, or Christ-like. Someone said this, and by the way, this was a lost individual, said that a Christian is a person who feels repentance on Sunday for what they did on Saturday and is going to do it again on Monday. That's a sad, sad definition of a Christian. And by the way, because of the title, if we take on the title of a Christian, if we tell someone we're a Christian, then we ought to live because of that title 
it, it, it says something. Uh, it says we, that we love Jesus. It says that we live differently. It says that, 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 that we're just not uh, uh, the normal person. And we're, we're saying to them, in essence, well, we won't, we won't put Jesus first in our life. So Elisha, he was a high priest and suggested that because of the title, he put God first in his life. Notice not only his title, but his task. He was, Elisha was noted as the high priest. Being the high priest, he was the only one on the Day of Atonement could go into the Holy of Holies. And he was the man that stood between God and man. And so literally, he was the one in the very presence of God. He's the one that stood between man and God, if you will. It symbolized one who had put God first in his life. Both of these descriptions suggest to us that we are not to... We are to influence the world we're in. We're not to be identified with the world we're in. Let me tell you again. We are to influence the world around us. We're not to be identified with the world around us. Uh, let me put it down to where maybe we can understand it better. When um, I worked at Hickory Chair Company... Vice president of the company, he knew where I was. He knew I was a preacher. He knew where I stood on certain things. And, boy, he was bad to cuss. And uh, he would come into the office, and he was going, he was angry about something, and he would say, okay, uh, uh, Jerry, leave. I'd leave, and when I shut the door, I'd never heard like a cussing in all my life. Because I told him once, now I'm a Christian, and my God's last name's not down. It's not. And I said, I'm not going to tolerate that. Now, you can shoot me out. And he, he wasn't afraid to do that. Amen. <laughs> if I do something wrong, you can just chew me out. But you don't have to cuss me to get your point across. And so, when I, he'd say, you don't have to leave. He'd make me leave. And, I, and, and the rest of them would get mad. Why did he leave? I said, because I, I don't, I'm not going to put up with that. And so, you see, we need to realize we need to, to influence the world around us, not be identified with the world around us. The crowd that's telling the filthy jokes shouldn't be telling them in your presence. All you got to do is stop it one time. You stop it one time. You say, well, why, why do you do that? Start singing Amazing Grace. If you sing so bad, they want you to shut up or they'll get convicted. Either one, it works. They, if, you start, if they start telling the filthy jokes, then you know, listen, um, I, I like what uh, one of the preachers I hear, heard this week said, uh, when a fellow started telling him uh, stuff that was going on in his church, he said, listen, stop. Stop. I don't want that in my mind. He said, I, I don't want that in my mind. Boy, sometimes people glorify their sin. And they want to tell you about it. I don't want that in my mind. 
I don't want that. I don't want that. I don't want to be thinking about that. I don't want that. And, uh, and so literally uh, in his title and in his task, see, when you say I'm a Christian, you're saying something. You're saying to the lost world, I'm Christ-like. And then when you fly a man, start cussing, they say, Huh? Huh? Is that, did he just, did he just invite me to church? Did he just tell me he's praying for me? Did he just tell me he was a Christian? Did they just tell me they're this or that? And by the way, you know people that are in school, you, if, if you have the title of Christian, if you've been saved, if you're not, you need to be saved tonight. But if you're saved, those in school should know who you are. You, you, young girls shouldn't have a reputation. Oh, oh, I, I'm not... I know I'm probably going to get to that. No. And this is not the word. Well, she's loose. I don't know of a better word to use. She's loose. She she goes, she sleeps with anybody. You get get the idea? And you say, I'm a Christian? I used to tell people this all the time. If I give you boys, and by the way, that's boys too. That's boys too. That's boys too. Oh, I used to have, we give out church signs and put them on the front of the cars. I used to tell our church members this sad that I had to, I'd say, listen, if you go to the ABC store, don't put my tag on your car. Don't put my tag if you go to the ABC store. That's not good advertisement. And so when we're Christians, we need to be a Christian. Boy, I want you to know, I, I love this Elishib. He was a high priest in his title and in his task. But I love this. Notice the rebuilding that proves his lordship. Now, I, it's really interesting. Nehemiah chapter 3, there is a story of rebuilding the wall. And um, as you walk through Nehemiah chapter 3... Uh, we are taking a counterclockwise. Clock goes this way. We're taking a counterclockwise path around that wall, and it's rebuilding. And so Nehemiah starts assigning the work. First of all, notice how Nehemiah assigns the work. These massive walls in Jerusalem... Man, it, it wasn't no small task. But I love the wisdom that he used. Notice with me chapter 3, verse number 10. And next unto them repaired Jedi, the son of Har- Haramuth, even, against, even over against his house. Now look again at verse 23. After him repaired Benjamin and Hashbub over... Against their house. Notice verse number 29. Notice verse number 29. And them repaired Zadok, the son of Emer, over against his house. Now, over against his house 
was the wall that was in the perimeters of his property, was in his front yard, if you will. And Nehemiah, it's, it's brilliant. Nehemiah was saying, the wall that will protect your home and your family, I want you to rebuild it. He said, if you rebuild the wall in front of your house and your family, you ain't going to cut corners. You're going to build it strong. You're not going to, you're not going to, uh, uh, sidetrack any of it. You're not going to let any of it go to, you're going to build it well because it's in front of your house for the protection. Walls were for protection. The only defense they had was walls. That's the reason the Bible says that a man that had no rule over his own spirit is like a city without walls. It means you ain't got any protection. And so, that's the reason we need to rule our spirits well. That's extra. But he said, I want you to rebuild right in front of your house. So when you rebuild it, it's for your family's protection. While the man was out there rebuilding the wall, he'd be thinking about his wife and his children and his grandchildren. Boy, he'd, be, he'd build it strong. He would build it sturdy. So it means for a means of protection. But it not only means of protection, but he was brilliant. It was a means of convenience. The people didn't get up and say, man, I, my section of the walls way down on the other end. It's going to take me an hour to get there. No, when they got up, walked down the front yard and went to work. They didn't waste time moving and commuting and doing this and doing that. It was right in the front yard. And the convenience of it was tremendous. Boy, after thinking about that, it's, it's brilliant how Nehemiah done. You know, you would think God was in rebuilding this wall, wouldn't you? It's brilliant. It'd be convenient. And not only that, but he would bond their family. The family would see Dad after rebuilding that wall was for protection. But notice this. How Elishib assessed his work. And then by 3 and verse 1, then Elishib, the high priest, rose up with his brethren, the priest, and they builded the sheep gate. It's never said of Elishib that he built over against his own house. Here's a man that said, Boy, I know, Nehemiah 3.20 Gives us the ideal, gives us the ideal, and after him, Barak, the son of Zabai, earnestly repaired the other piece from the turning of the wall into the door of the house of Elisha, the high priest. And so, Elisha said, Well, I know I need to build my wall in front of my house, but man, we got to get a sheep gate built first. Now, the sheep gate was an interesting gate. In that time, they had temple worship. You bring a sheep in, 
They were sacrificing. The blood would be applied. High priest would go in, sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat and all that good stuff. It was through the sheep gate that the people that raised the sheep would bring them in. And temple worship, the, the true worship of God could never be started again until the sheep gate was repaired. Here's what he's saying. Elisha said, I tell you, my, boy, my house is important. I'm going to protect my family and do all this. But he said, we, we got to get the, the sheep gate done first. It was saying, I'm going to put God first. He was by his very actions and work. He was saying, I'm going to put God first. Well, he could have done his own. He said, I'm going to put God first. While others are working and repairing their own defenses, well, I'm going to put God's work first. While others are doing their own thing, I'm going to put God first. While others are building their own houses, I'm going to put God first. He knew the completion of the sheep gate would hasten the day when temple life could be restored to normal. His first concern was not the physical or the material, but the spiritual. Can I pry just a bit? I don't want to get too personal. But what's first in your life? I, I say this from my heart. And, and it's, a, it's a reminder to my own self. How are we going to square it with God? How are we going to square it with God? When the things we use to keep us from putting God first are not things we use when our jobs first, our pleasures are first, and what we want to do is first. I honestly believe this with all my heart. I'm, I'm, I'm pleased I'm not trying to, 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 to hurt you for nothing. But I'm saying this. Boy, the greatest thing we can do in our lives is putting God first. And put God first, and He'll take care of all the rest of them. It's amazing. But many times we put the, our jobs first. I mean, please don't boo me out. Please don't. Please don't. I'm sick, I can't go to church. But that same sickness will not keep us from job. How are we going to square that with God? Not the preacher, not the church. Not, we're praying for you. And, and we understand, but what, how are you going to square that with an almighty, thrice holy God? How do we square that? Whenever he says, in all things, give me preeminence. Psalm first. Boy, his first concern, Matthew 6, 30, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. God came first. 
And everything else comes second. He's more concerned about God's kingdom than his own house. And it was proof his actions, not just his title, not just his task, his actions, his actions. If I were to ask you, is God first in your life? If I were to ask you, you'd say, yeah, yeah, but does your actions say God's first? When I, when I, first, when I first started pastoring, I, I was on salary at Hickory Chair. And I, could get, I got paid salary no matter where I was there, where I was out. But you know, it's amazing. I'm telling you, if it's snowing, catching dogs... And knee deep. You know what I'd do? I'd get out there and go to work. I mean, there's what I'm talking about. I mean, I'd got, boy, I'd got, I've been to work sicker than a dog. I was on salary. But, you know, I was on salary. But I didn't miss more than two or three days. But when I went full time in the ministry, I decided right then, I refused to give that factory more than I'm going to give God. I refused to do that. The proof is in the fact. He put the physical and the material second to the spiritual. When the church doors open, where a person is says a lot about where God's first. Now, I'm not going to try to boo you out. But I'm going to say this. If you got family that's not putting God first, you ought, to, you ought to start praying for them. You start begging God to help them. You, start, you need to beg God to help them. Well, when a person has time for this and for that, but no time for spiritual things, it reveals a lot about what's first instead of about who is first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Jesus was saying that God should be first in our life. He's worthy. He's worthy. I read uh, uh, about a new recruit in the Navy. Shortly after joining the Navy, he asked his officer for a pass so he could attend a wedding. The officer gave him a pass but informed the young man he would have to be back by 7 p.m. The recruit said, You don't understand, sir. I'm in the wedding. The officer shot back, No, you don't understand. You're in the Navy. I wonder how many times we say, But God, you don't understand. I got to do this. God said, No, you don't understand. You're a Christian. I saved you. Now I'm now preeminence. So we realize this. Have you put God first? Where is God in your life? Are you saved? If so, have you made Him Lord of your life? But I love this. We see the role that pictures Lordship, we see the rebuilding that proves. Lordship, but then we receive the reward that promotes Lordship. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. How many knows the verse? Well, two of you. How many knows the verse? Two, few more. And all these things shall be added unto you. Let me read it again. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. 
put him first. And all. Now, what does all mean? Means, oh boy, we're good. I tell you, we're getting there. All. Well, what things is he talking about? Finances, food, fashion, and your future. God says, whatever you need. God will not be a debtor to any man. Do you hear me? God will not be a debtor to no man. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 2.30, Wherefore the Lord God of Israel saith, I said indeed that thy house and the house of thy father should walk before me forever. But now the Lord saith, Be it far from me, for them that honor me, I will honor. And they that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Let me tell you a verse I found so real. Boy, a lot of times, no, I want my thing ahead of putting God first. You know what? God, God said, I, will, I love you so much, I'll give you your request. But then he says this. He said, I'll send leanness to your soul. God said, I'll give you what you want, but you won't enjoy it. Have you ever bought anything you thought, man, I'm going to love this. I, I'm going to love this. And you get it. And you know, and probably knew God didn't want you to have it. I, I, I know some of you are going to boo me out with this, but I was dead. I was headstrong. I seen an orange Ford truck. <laughs> I mean, any Ethiopian brethren would have been proud in that thing, I'll tell you. And he had six owner with, with, with a four speed in the floor. And I said, I got to have that truck. I shoved and shoved till I got it. God let me have it. But man, I tell you, I never was so sick of nothing in all my days. I, t- I was sick of that thing. It took ten people to push in the clutch. That's the hardest thing to drive I ever drove in my life. Now, I, that just one truck, I'm sure not all of them's the other way, but that one was. Tore it all pieces. I mean, it's God said, he give me my request. He'll give you what you want. If you want it, he'll give it to you. But he can also send leanness to your soul that you don't enjoy it. You don't have satisfaction of it. Notice how his portion was attended. In Nehemiah chapter 3 verse 20. Now, Elisha has put God first. They're building the sheep gate. And why they're building the sheep gate. And after him, Barak, the son of Zabah, earnestly repaired the other piece. Elisha's part joined Barak's part. And when Barak got there, he said, Man, man, Elisha, he's putting God first. I believe I'll just build his part for him. I believe I'll just continue on and, and he said, he built it to the door of the house of Elisha. In other words, he built, he completed it. He built his part. Be it far from me. He said this, repaired the other piece from the turning of the wall until the door of the house of Elisha, the high priest. Literally, what God did while 
Elisha is over here putting God first. God said, I'm going to move over here to Barak and I'm going to put it in his heart just to finish this work for Elisha. I want Elisha to know he ain't going to lose a thing by putting me first. I want him to know I'm going to take care of him. I want him to know I'm going to supply for him. He said, because he put me first, he said, he'll never be last. He'll never be last. And Barak, he built Elisha's part for him. But now there's a little something else. I, I love this statement. I, I've got it in my Bible now. I, I look at it every day. It says this. God is ready to assume full responsibility for the life wholly yielded to Him. Boy, January 1, I said, God, I'm going to take you up on that offering. I'm going to take you up on it. And by the way, he's done exactly that. Proverbs 24, 27, Prepare thy work without, and make it fit for thyself in the field, and afterwards build thine house. Put me first. But notice not only that, the, we, we, we see here how he attended, but notice how it was amended. Now, there's something about Barak that said it's only place it's mentioned. It's not mentioned by any other builder. And he earnestly repaired. Now, the phrase here describes the work of the worker. And the, word, and, and the word has the meaning that not only did God, because Elisha put God first, God said, I'm going to move the heart of Barak to build it for him. The word earnest means he was more qualified, he was more talented, he had more ability than Elisha had to build the wall. It, I, I doubt if Elisha being a high priest was taught carpentry and masonry. He's like me. He couldn't build a box. Couldn't build a shoebox. But he said, if you put me first, because he's put me first, I'm going to give him in there. Well, earnestly, the word earnestly means he not only did he do it, but he did it extremely well. What I'm trying to tell you is this. If you put God first... He'll send people in your life that can do things extremely well that you could never do. That you could never do. He'll put people in your life to do things for you that you could never do yourself. And you say, why why did they just happen to be there and happen to come and happen to... Oh, that's a holy God said. Now don't get me wrong. God's going to bless Barak and bless Elisha. Elisha. Because you put God first. Do you understand this? When we fail to put God first, we rob ourselves of what God could do for us in our life. We, we just rob ourselves. Have you ever robbed yourself? You can rob yourself. Oh, God lets you have what you want. But 
God can only give satisfaction. And a lot of times we fail. Mark 10, 29. Jesus answered and said, and Verily, verily, verily I say unto you that no man. Did you hear that? No man hath left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels. But he shall receive a hundredfold now in this time Houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the world to come eternal life. Did you hear that? God said, I'm gonna if you put me first, I'm gonna bless you while you're on earth. That won't give you eternal life when you die. Yeah, that's something. Yeah, I mean you can't beat that. He said, I'm gonna bless you while you're walking on earth. Then I'm going to give you eternal life. He said, We receive a hundredfold now in this time. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Then Deventer was a famous, outstanding artist. He graduated from college, he studied drawing and painting under a well-known German teacher. He became supervisor of an art, class, uh, art school in uh, Sharon, Pennsylvania. But it was during that time there was a revival. And while he was in the revival, God touched his heart in the meeting. And it wasn't long after that he was licensed to preach. The Spirit of God began to deal with him and, and said, I, 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 want, I want to be first. Dan Deventer said, boy, I still had a burning desire to be an artist. He said, the battle raged for five years. Finally, Deventer come to a place and he, he described, I just got tired of fighting God and said, I surrender my all, my time, and my talents. He described later on as a new day dawning in his life. One day, thinking of those years, he had struggled putting God first. He sat down and wrote a hymn. And we all know what that hymn is. Joey, come here. I might want to sing All to Jesus, I surrender. All to Him, I freely give. Did you sing that this morning? All right, we won't sing it again. Okay. All to Jesus, I surrender. All to Him, I freely give. He's not a tyrant. My God's not a tyrant. Don't accuse Him of being a tyrant. He's sick. He first. He's asking for first. He don't take it from you. All to Jesus. All I surrender. All to him I freely give. 
I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live. I surrender all. I surrender all to thee, my blessed Savior. I surrender all. I can only tell you from experience, you will never regret putting God first in your life. Never. So I'll stand to our feet. Let's sing that song, Brother Joel.